Let's get back to them today. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. And if you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you can find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us to become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. And I'm excited to get some wind in our sails today. Joining me is former athlete turned entrepreneur, athletepreneur. And of course, uh, I love in the profile saying NFL bench warmer out of Salt Lake City, Utah, Mitch Matthews on the podcast. Mitch, it's great to have you, brother. I'm so good, man. I'm ready to go and I'm ready to uh, use this time to uplift and help, man. I'm fired up. Oh, man. I. I could already tell this is going to be a great one. And, and before we hop into our conversation, I want to make sure the audience can get to meet you appropriately and give you the opportunity to introduce yourself in your own words. So I'm going to step aside and let you take the reins of the podcast really quick and talk directly to the audience and uh, tell them who you are, man. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm a husband. Uh, I'm a father of two little girls. That's you know the number one priority in life. I'm ever striving to find balance in entrepreneurship and as a father and husband, no one has perfected that. So it's a, it's an uh, ever flowing journey, which I, I love trying to balance it out. I'm obsessed with my family, but I'm also obsessed with, with business. I was a fortunate athlete. I played uh, division one at Brigham Young University, BYU out here in Utah. And then I played a couple of years in the NFL afterwards, was able to live my dream job, had a fantastic experience. But the reason I say I'm fortunate is because most athletes, they struggle post football or post sport to find their next thing. And it takes them a long time. And sometimes people never come out of it. They just they can't escape who they used to be. Um, but fortunately for me, I'm just as excited about being a entrepreneur as I was an athlete. So I'm very fortunate that way. Even when I was playing, I was always looking forward to the next chapter Trust me, I was obsessed with ball and I did everything I could to maximize my potential. But being an entrepreneur, husband and father, it's a journey I've loved just as much as being an athlete. That's who I am now. If you look at my Instagram bio, it says athletepreneur uh, because uh, I still treat myself like an athlete now in the gym and uh, I'm an entrepreneur. So that's just sort of how I identify and, and uh, I, I love the life that I'm living. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And my career did certainly did not take me as far as yours did. But my my friends and my coworkers get on me because I said I'm an athlete. They're like, what do you mean you're an athlete, Ted? You, you work on the news. I'm like, no, I'm an athlete. And it's not that I feel like I can still get out there. I still have it. But to your point, you know, my mentality is I, I still hit the gym. I still work out. I get my heart rate up and, and just treat my body um, with the challenge of fitness, which uh, for me makes me feel like an athlete. I eat mm -hmm. like one, train like one, try and stay healthy. But I want to touch on something you said about being that fortunate in in terms of making that transition, because I do see whether it be some personal friends of mine or some stories that we've read about that transition from athlete to what comes after is so hard. Uh, what is it that makes it so difficult? And if anyone's listening or watching on YouTube and they're kind of going through that identity crisis themselves, what words of encouragement would you give them to find that next chapter? Yeah. Uh, first, I want to say that it's not just athletes that have to make the transition it could be someone who got 
all A's in school was the valedictorian, but then struggles to find their passion or then they put their identity in the classroom and not necessarily in the future. And so how I always think of it is I had confidence in myself as a human being that I could do anything that I put my mind to. I didn't just have confidence in myself as a football player. It wasn't Mitch, the football player, right? Mm. It was just Mitch. He happens to be playing football right now. And then when this thing is over, which football ends, sports ends for every athlete in the history, it always will end. Um, and I saw that coming, whether it's 10 years, in the NFL, two years, five years, it was going to end at some point. So I didn't want to have a crash and burn phase where people felt bad for me for five years because I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to be someone who went straight from the football field to business and had this sort of seamless transition. It wasn't easy, but I had confidence in myself as a human to go from rookie to ball player, good ball player in anything that I chose in life. So I, I've been a freshman who redshirted because he wasn't good enough to play to being the featured player on the team in college. And then I, I went from undrafted uh, in the NFL to, to playing a couple of years. So I, I was used to being that rookie, but still being optimistic about what the future was going to hold for me. And so mm -hmm. when I was a rookie entrepreneur, I was just as excited because it was just confidence in myself to be a rookie and then turn into someone uh, notable uh, in entrepreneurship. So to me, it was confidence in me, not confidence in just the sport I played. Yeah, man, that's fantastic. I, I, th I think about the bird on the branch, right? And the bird on the branch isn't comfortable because it believes in the strength of the branch. It's comfortable because it believes in the strength of its wings. So even if the branch breaks, it can still fly. Um, love that. Which is fantastic. Um, you, you touched on early on, and I, I love, this is why I love letting the guest introduce themselves because I can really, you know, find out the identity of what's important to them. And you mentioned being a father, your two two little girls, and um, going through the deep dive on you, man, I, I, I saw you talk about coming from a boy's background and a masculine background, right? Mm -hmm. BYU, you, you had the locker room, you had this masculinity that you're surrounded by, and you're kind of bred in this environment of the boys to now mm -hmm. operating in a life with you and the girls. How has that transition been, and how has the masculinity upbringing in that that locker room fed into the gifts that allow you to show up as a man in in the women's lives around you yeah such a good question i'm so glad you asked it because i've had a strong epiphany recently of um sort of the the difference of a man that i have to be um and i told someone this recently is what made me a good football player was I was aggressive, I was full of anger, I was cocky, I was arrogant, I was self-centered, I was all about me, I was all about winning and other people losing, and I'm a winner and they're a loser. And if you look at it, a lot of athletes are like that, and a lot of really, really good ones are like that. Mm -hmm. Because I was selfish with my time because I wanted to, to make sure my body was right. So instead of hanging out with the, the friends all the time, I was, in the weight room, I was in the gym getting right, or I was watching more film. Um, I had to have an ego at the time because I wanted to protect the image. I wanted to protect the status. I wanted to do all these things. And that's what made me a good football player was I was the hardest worker in the room and no one was going to get in the way of my dreams and goals. Mm. And those qualities, aggression, anger, self-centered, all those things made me a good athlete. But you know what makes a really bad dad? All those exact same things. 
Yes. You know what makes a really bad leader and a really bad entrepreneur is all those exact same things. And so how I look at it is what makes you someone in a certain environment doesn't necessarily make you right in the next environment. So it's looking back at football and saying, what are the good lessons I can take? When was I an amazing leader of the team? When did I really help my teammates? Okay, I could take that one, but I got to leave this to the side. And when was I really playing my best ball? And when was I maybe over the line with, with how egotistical I was? I'm going to take the good ones and leave the bad ones. And now being a dad, a husband, and a leader of a business, it's such different qualities. And, and you have to be willing to ditch who you used to be and take the good lessons and apply it. So if I led my life like I did from 2012 to 2017 when I was college in the NFL, I would fail in the next things that I want to do in life. And so being vulnerable enough to be like, look, those things were rad. Being that guy was rad then, but those things do not serve you now. Not at all. And uh, I've taken the good lessons or tried to and uh, tried to shed and ditch maybe the, the parts I wasn't super proud of being so self-centered and just winning and losing. And it's uh, I like the journey that I'm on as a husband and father. And uh, the qualities I want to be known for are different than the qualities that made me a good football player. And I'm totally okay with that. It's, it's seasonal. Life is very seasonal and you have to reinvent yourself. Yeah, that's fantastic because, I mean, we've said on the podcast over and over, over that our the old self has to die for the new self to live. And usually it's the ego that holds on white knuckling that old identity and those traits that have actually played into our success. And that, that might be the hardest thing. It's like, this is how I got by, right? Think of like maybe that poor mindset, saving money, hold, hold, hoarding all your coins. And that's what probably got you out of poverty. But what gets you to the next level might be loosening up that grip a little bit. And it's mm -hmm. almost oxymoronic to think of that. But it, it's so true of learning those good lessons, applying it. And, and speaking of your athletic career, I saw a video you were talking about, and I thought this was fantastic the way you broke it down of the difference and the importance of competition and collaboration and how you look back at your your playing days and you would have incorporated a little bit more collaboration yeah. uh, than your competition. And while that is very applicable to uh, an athlete, I also see it very applicable in business and in, in life and how we show up. So how have you taken that lesson from your athletic career and applied it to business in terms of competition? Because there is business in competition, but there's also collaboration. How do you uh, sew between the two? Perfect. Very good question. Um, competition, there's times where it's, it's all you have and it, it fuels you to a new level. It gives you this increased amount of adrenaline to run faster and to uh, make plays on the football field and to hit harder and to be stronger, right? If you see a guy bench pressing 10 more pounds, you that the competitive side, you will say, no, I can do that too, right? So competition is not a bad thing in any way. Uh, a lot of times it, it, it has completely saved me uh, because when I'm up against, as a wide receiver, there's a DB in front of me, I'm not looking to collaborate with him. I'm looking to crush him, right? And he's looking to crush me too. And that's healthy. We'll both get way better because of it. I was but a DB. <laughs> oh, there we go, man. There we go. I can already feel this tension. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the reality is there's times for competition. 
but there should be more time for collaboration. Uh, if you look in the business world, if you're in an industry, let's say you're a personal trainer, there's a lot of competition around and you can hate and spew negativity and say, oh, why you're better, why you're better than these people. But when you're competing, your head is down. It's just with what's right in front of you is the receiver who's a foot in front of the defensive back. I'm going to crush this person right here. But your head is down. When you're looking in your city and you're in Charlotte, I'm in Salt Lake. And let's just say, for example, I'm that personal trainer. If I'm just competing, I'm only looking in my little small pond. And I just want to compete, say why well, I'm better than this person. And then you realize, first of all, what's even the win? You have a couple more clients, the next person, and you make an extra 20 grand a month. Like what, what's the real competition that you're winning here? And you're just full of negativity. Because then you bring up all those negative qualities about hate and he's going to lose i'm going to win now your person is not infectious and in drawing in the community and so competition can be good right and there are times when it is but you have to have intuition to understand when competition is important and when it's actually in the way of collaboration where in business if you look at a triangle the people at the way tip top those people are not competing at the bottom, they are because it's going to give you these micro wins to bench press 10 pounds more to make a little bit more money than the next person and have them lose you win. The people at the top are collaborating. The people of these competing businesses are getting together and they're seeing best practices. They're making deals they're creating partnerships with other big companies. They're not bottom feeding and just looking for micro wins. Collaborating is a macro competition to micro. So certain times when it's going to work and help you to compete, but more often than not, collaboration is going to be those macro wins to create partnerships. Go to the people in your field and ask them why they're so good if they're better than you. Create a partnership with them. Find a million mentors in your field and begin to be a person that's not afraid to watch other people win, but cheer people on. That's infectious energy. And you're going to find more friends at town, more talented levels. And to begin to collaborate with them, you're going to be moving at a 10x speed instead of competition, which is more of a 2x speed. Yeah, man, I love that because I could hear that fuel within you. And it's it's relevant to while we're recording this, it's um uh, right after you just finished 29029 Everstink. Uh, for anybody that's not familiar with it, fantastic event out in Utah. And I loved your reflection on it. And I guess from my understanding, you and the guys that you went with, your commitment was we are going to go through this as fast as we can. We're going to embrace the suck. We're we're not going to take breaks. We're not going to sleep. We're just going to push through this. And for anybody that's not familiar, you're going up and down this mountain. I think, what is it, 13 times mm -hmm. over the course of 36 hours or so. But your commitment to doing that was over the, the sole purpose of so we can get to the top and cheer everybody else on. Um Talk about that experience, what you took away from 29029 and how it was embracing the suck through the process. Cause I can only yeah. imagine, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, let me say, like, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say, like, I just conquered that mountain, dude. That kicked my freaking butt, man. Oh my gosh. Like it was insane. But um they're back to the same energy that we were just talking about before. Um, if you're there to compete, you're think of the energy that you're spewing out when you're competing. You're saying, I hope you lose so that I can win. That's so micro. It's so little. So what if you pass someone on the mountain? Like, so what? Right. 
And so my, my mindset going into this, it was two weekends ago, was the faster me and my 10 friends finish, the longer we can be at the top of the mountain watching people come up and finish their laps and finish their entire race and cheer them on. And I can tell you right now, being at the top of that mountain for those eight hours, cheering people on um, was the reason why I'm going to do it again next year. It wasn't because I passed people for those 24 hours or whatever. It, it, that, that didn't fuel me. That didn't get me. That doesn't get me out of bed to say, you know, I'm going to sign up so I can go kick people's butt. Like that's, uh, yeah, that'll make me walk a little faster. But the real reason why was I'm going to work my tail off and be so good myself that I can be the mountain longer and help people through their struggles. Now I'm in a position of leadership, collaborating and helping and serving and being there, handing out water, cheering people on, giving people a pat on the butt, hugging them to help them go faster so that I can be in a position of exuding love to people and not exuding hate, meaning I hope you lose. Mm. Does that make sense? So the realm that I've stepped out of in football is is competing every second of the day to how often can I collaborate? And at the top of the mountain, you know who was there? The, the really, really fast ones that I could ask questions to. How the heck did you go so fast? What were you eating? Now, yeah. I'm in, now I'm in a collaboration room at the top of the mountain. The founders of the event were there and they're my buddies, Mark Kotelich, Jesse Isler, Colin O'Brady. And now those are the guys that were standing at the top of the mountain together. And we're all crying as these people are crossing the finish line who are way older than you'd expect to finish or struggled or, or just lost someone in their life. And they're now doing this mountain. And we're, every person that comes by, we're just like getting teary. I mean, Jesse Isler were making fun of each other because we just couldn't stop crying over it because we're just, this is the coolest thing. And so now every challenge I have in my life, I say, how can I get away from competing and collaborate? And so I can tell you on the mountain, as hard as it was, my self-talk was way more positive positive self-talk helped my muscles perform better. It helped mm -hmm. my mindset. It helped me push through the pain I had in my foot and my knee and my whatever else, because I was in the sphere of I'm going so fast, not so that you lose so that I can actually help you. It's a totally different sphere of consciousness. It's a totally different sphere. It's a totally different paradigm. You're in, you're in a completely different space mentally. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I love this past weekend was I was willing, more willing to go through the suck than I would have been if I was out there to compete. Mm. I was way more willing to go through the hardest parts, knowing that on the other side of it was going to be my favorite part, which is helping people. Yeah, I could just see you guys at the top of the mountain. Like, I need electrolytes. Why? From sweating? No, from crying, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was crazy, man, seeing some of the stories of people finish. We would, me and Jesse would look at each other and just, I, anyways, it was just funny, man, how, how uh, impactful that was. And that, that right there during the mountain, I was like, I'm never doing this again, never doing this again, <laughs> you know, but then I get to the top, I'm like, wait, of course I am obviously, cause I'm, I'm in a space of exuding love and helping instead of in, in a place where I'm just trying to beat the person next to me. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and I, I love the, the consistent trend of leadership that I'm hearing and, you know, that really what, what leadership is, is sometimes going in front so you can take the arrows, right? You, you take the arrows so the others don't have to. And it's not because you're like, oh, I'm so tough and macho. It's like, if I'm capable and I'm able, I can do this so I can 
pour into yeah. others for those that can't. And and I noticed there is a trend of suffering um, on your social and really your activity, whether it be 29 or 29 or hell on the hill and, and these challenges that you use to pour forward, these challenges that you use to, whether it be raise money for causes or bring attention to important things to you that's going on in the world. What do you learn through that suffering? What do you learn through those those hard challenges uh, that you put yourself through? Yeah, it's a great question, man. Um, I was talking to one of my buddies that I did 29029 with, and we were talking about the margin of error there is between positive self-talk and negative self-talk. I remember thinking as I was just hiking up this mountain, you're 30 miles. I did it in like under 21 hours. It's 30,000 feet of climb. You're climbing the height of Mount Everest. There's no sleep. Um, it was it was so hard. It's the hardest physical thing I've ever done and, and will continue to do because it's just hard for 24 hours. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I can't even let one negative thought into my mind because that would crush me. And so my self-talk was so important. And it's only in a super hard sphere that you can learn how important and crucial things are. Like today, how to work out on a podcast, have some meetings, have some other things. Is my positive talk incredibly important today? Uh, you might not think so because you're like, there's nothing really crazy hard. But when you're in that crazy hard sphere, you're like, wait a minute, my biology, my physiology literally changes based upon my positive self-talk. So that when I go back home and I don't have these hard days, I have a day like today, which is fun and awesome. Positive still self-talk is still working. It's still incredibly important. It's just, I don't feel I need it because I can only understand it when it's in the hard. So what I'm getting at is even when life isn't hard, it's only, it's, you're only able to learn those important lessons in the hard mm. and you bring them back to daily life. So my self-talk, I'm going on a walk today for 40 minutes and I'm talking to myself the entire time. That will happen today. Because of what I learned on the mountain about how positive self-talk is for my muscles, my physiology, my psychology, even though today's not as hard as the mountain, it's still just as, as impactful, but you don't learn that lesson unless you're on that mountain. So that mountain that I keep talking about is any mountain, 29, 29, uh, the fitness challenge you have, only learn the really important lessons when it's, you're at the brink of, of collapsing. And that's what you bring back to your common day, all those important lessons that you still apply. And that's when you get the really big gains. Yeah, man, that, that's phenomenal. Cause I think in those moments we meet our true selves and we start to train who we become. We, we start to make that decision of pushing forward or easing up or giving up. And it's hard because sometimes we don't like who we are at first, but by revisiting that over and over, we can start conditioning ourselves to make the decision to keep pushing forward, to make the decision to get to the next step. And that self-talk is so important. And I tweeted this a while ago, or uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, um, X now. And I said, when you realize you wouldn't talk to your friends the way you talk to yourself, you'll start changing the way you talk to yourself. Uh, because we could be our worst critic and it could be heavy, the things that go on in our own heads. You, you mentioned something about decision-making and, um, this is something I'll be honest, I struggle with because I am so logical 
with everything. Uh, my parents Good. are in town. They were just giving me some advice because my dad's 82, my mom's 76, and I always love having an opportunity to sit down and be like, hey, give me some advice. I know I'm a grown man, but I'm never going to stop learning and listening from it my parents. Amazing, right? bro. Yeah, and uh, my dad was just like, you know, two and two doesn't always equal four. You know, he knows me. I'm a calculator. I calculate things. I calculate decisions. I'm just very logical with everything. And my dad it's was fine, like, man. it's not always black and white. Two and two doesn't always equal four. You just, you know, take risks here and there. And you have the, this uh, this post about decisions being made with your stomach versus being made with your head. Um, yeah, man. So selfishly, it's, it's a question that I need help with. But I, yeah. if, if a lot of our listeners are like me, they probably are very logical based as well. So help us out a little bit and, and unpack more of that about the decision-making with the stomach versus the head. Yeah. Super good question, man. And I think you and I would, would make great business partners because I always need that logical mind like you, because I'm very much emotional gut based and I'll make decisions and do things where people are like, what? That's the dumbest <laughs> thing ever, but I'm so gut based. And so how does this tie into my emotions that I always need someone like you to like keep me in check and keep me regulated, you know? So just so you know, like you, what, who you are is, is exactly who you need to be. Um, but I think that someone like yourself has such a great advantage because if you can learn to tap into the gut, you'll be able to take that gut feeling, which is called your second brain, and then take it to your logical brain and then logically make everything work. Mm. Meaning you have this, a business idea that won't stop leaving your gut. You're like, I can't stop thinking about this, man. And most logical people, they just shut that off. But in reality, that was a beautiful thing that needed to come up. And then your logical brain will take over. And if you can take that logical brain that you have and say, I'm actually going to take the logical brain and take my gut and work together. And I'm going to create that business. You're going to be able to create whatever you want in life. So hats off to you for recognizing who you are. But being able to tap in your gut is so important. And I'll tell you why. Your gut is literally your second brain. That's why eating good foods, taking care of your microbiome, it sends signals to your brain that are super, super important. And how often have you in your life and in, in the listeners heard something and knew it was right in their gut and said, oh, I like that. That feels good. But their mind immediately overrides as like a protective mechanism and says, no, 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 but that wouldn't work for these five reasons. And then you go with the logical brain because it's, it's more present. It's more in the, it's, it's in the front of your brain. It just takes over and says, nope, I'll get that out of there. But you, it keeps coming back to you. Mm -hmm. So that second brain is far more accurate for big life decisions than your logical brain. Your logical brain is going to be way more accurate in small settings just to make things are right and tidy and figured out and the budget's there and the timing's there and the plan's there. But big life decisions have got to be made in the gut because things you do are really never going to make sense at first. Starting a business makes zero sense at first. 10 years down the road, it makes a lot of sense. Chasing your dreams of being a meteorologist makes zero sense at first because you're like, wait, this much schooling, this much cost, this much this, this much competition. This is crazy. Your, your logic, your brain is going to take over and cancel your dreams. And so having the ability to sit back, meditate, and let your second brain, your subconscious bubble, literally bubble up and start flashing these amazing ideas 
And then your logical brain will come in and be like, whoa, 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 heck no. <laughs> Saying, all right, I hear your logical brain. Get out for just five minutes. Let me finish this meditation. Your gut is going to start speaking to you about some really powerful things you probably should do. Once you attach yourself to that, you say, I really freaking want that. But I know it's dumb at first, but it's going to be amazing later. Your logical brain will say, okay, you've admitted that it's dumb at first, but it's going to be cool later. I can get busy with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so allowing yourself to feel your gut come up and say, I really want this. Yes, it's not smart at first because it's going to cost. It's going to take more time away. It's going to be a lot of things. But putting your logical brain on pause for five minutes, then they start working together. Now your logical brain says, okay, you've committed to this thing that your gut has told you. Now grab your logical brain. They'll, they'll make a little handshake and it'll help you get to that place that you knew you should have gotten to. Does that make sense? No, 100%. And I think of there's this picture of this uh, it's this silhouette of a man being torn in half and like flexing, holding these two chains. And on one side is the brain and the other side is the heart. And they're kind of like shooting yeah. in opposite directions. Um, and it's funny because like the way I logic, I process decision-making and logics is kind of like you get a certain amount of data or information and you pick one or the other. And I'm very good at when I make a decision, completely forgetting about the other side and just making it work. And the way I processed that advice that you just gave was, well, let the gut make the decision and have the logic make it work, right? Like exactly, yeah. Your, your gut's gonna say, let's do this. Your logic brain's gonna be like, no, no, let's not do it. But you're jumping off the cliff and then let the logic build the parachute on the way down. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, kind of going, going back to what we started the whole podcast with in terms of the confidence of self and confidence in, in the wings was, you know, you'll figure it out. You've gotten through everything else before, right? You could figure this out too and, and keep yeah. on moving forward. Um, yeah. Speaking about moving forward while we're coming towards the end of our, our time together and, and making those decisions, uh, what is your gut bubbling up now? What are you working on towards the future? Things that, that Mitch Matthews is excited about and, and focused on uh, coming down the pipeline. Yeah, very good question. What's been very big to me is making sure I find very, very clear and strong alignment in my life because to make anything successful, it takes a lot. Like it really takes a lot. And I'll explain. Um, when, when you want to start a business based upon seeing someone get rich off of that business and then you just start it because of that, you see the end result, not the walk. All you have is just this desire to start this business based upon what you saw somebody getting rich from. And so there isn't necessarily this, the gut wasn't involved. You just saw money and you just saw it. So that's why I want to start this business. So your gut was never involved. So the passion will be there fickly, meaning it'll only be there for a couple of years until you're like, wait a minute, I don't even freaking love this. And getting rich at this is hard. And what am I doing? You do not want to have that phase six years into your business of looking back and saying, I only started this because I thought it was going to make me money. Because what it takes to be super successful at something is it's got to come from the soul. Like it's got to come from deep within the gut. It's got to be alignment with the universe. It's got to be based upon your skills, plus passion, plus alignment, plus so many things. So you're willing to push through the even the very, very hardest times. Mm -hmm. And so 
that's why letting your subconscious be involved in your life, letting your gut be involved in your life is so important because when you have a gut feeling about something, you're like, I know I need to do this. But I don't even know how it's going to make me money, but you'll figure that out later. And I think that's the first place that stops people is they can't see a clear path right away. They say, nope, I'm going to stick to my normal job because it's getting me paid. And that's what, that's the dopamine I like is the immediate hit of the paycheck every two weeks where people that let themselves let things bubble up, they meditate on things, they let their mind wander. They're going to gravitate towards passion, the universe, God, through prayer, through study, through all of those things that aren't frontal brain, like make sense brain, all those things are that invisible force that's going to allow you go to, to, to go to a billion. It's an invisible force that's going to get you to world changing levels, community changing levels. If everything started here, you'll just get burnt out. You'll stop having passion for it, which you never did in the first place. And so what I'm getting at is find amazing alignments find where you you're sitting in the middle of the day and you're getting chills over the next thing you can't wait to tell people about what you're doing because it's so aligned people when they talk to you they can tell you know what i can tell what you're about to do is amazing because i can feel the energy exuding off your skin and that is where people create magic and so i'm launching a business in about six to eight months from now it's a sauna and cold bath lounge with my buddy jesse isler it's a 50-person sauna, 20-person cold bath, and it's all class-based, meaning we have instructors in the sauna with you that are guiding, guiding you through a, a lot of cool breathwork, meditation, and uh, it's, it's, it, it, uh, it's going to change millions and millions of lives. Yeah. And we've already, we've already put money in. We've already put everything into it. We're already, we're already so deep into it, and there hasn't been a single part of me that's like, well, the budget doesn't make sense. Well, the profit margins don't make sense. I I'll figure that out along the way, but I know there's alignment there with a business that I own now. I own a pest control business. I'm working on making it even more aligned as well. So that I, there is no such thing as burnout because I'm helping young men and young women with, with sales excellence and uh, helping people retire before they're 30. That, that's, that's something that'll fuel me for life. And so with these things that I have going, it's all deep, deep alignment. And if people can find that, they cannot lose. Make the profit margins, make the market research, make all that come second. Because when you have soul, baby, it's mm -hmm. over for everybody. You don't even have to worry about competition because it's over for the competition because they don't have the soul that you have. So yeah. you want to be a great competitor, have some soul. And, and you won't even worry about the bottom of that triangle. You'll only be at the top saying, how far can I go? Who can I meet and collaborate with to help my message and my journey? take over the world. And so if you can't tell my guy, I'm, I've found that alignment in, in these things that I'm doing. And I, there's just, it's, I'm, I'm excited to wake up. I'm excited to go do, I'm excited to take breaks because it helps me get to my subconscious to go do more. Like it, it's all the above. So um, that's where I'm at in my life. And I've, I haven't found this alignment that I, that I found this year in the last six years that I've been an entrepreneur. And my wife can tell, my friends can tell, my dad can tell, like it's, People can tell because I'm exuding a different energy and yeah. I'm very happy with where I'm at. I love it, man. I love it, Mitch. That's fantastic. And listen, I've, I've had some great conversations in the sauna. Uh, my cold plunge, a lot of folks probably have the same challenge. It's been 
dog days of summer out here. So I put my ice in the cold plunge and like two hours <laughs> later, I got to buy gone. those. <laughs> so, it's just gone. You're pretty yeah. much living in a sauna in Charlotte, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah, man. It's, it's been hot, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll start cooling down soon and get that bonfire weather. But Mitch, I want to make sure that our audience can connect with you, follow you and, and stay tuned. And of course, uh, have their ear to the ground. Well, when wellness lounge opens up, uh, how can folks connect, follow you on social and, and find out everything you're doing, man? Yeah, I just put in my email. It's MitchMatthews10 at gmail.com. I'm fine if people email me. Uh, Matthews has one T on it. It's important to remember. And then at MitchMatthews10 on Instagram as well. So at MitchMatthews10 or MitchMatthews10 at Gmail. Um, those are where people can find me on Instagram. I respond to DMs. And uh, I'm all vibe-based now. If people have the same energy and vibe as me, we'll find a way to connect because the world will bring us together. So send me that email. If the energy's right, we'll talk, which I always respond. And then the same things with DMs, I always respond. And I love meeting new people and being impactful. So DMs probably work the best at yeah. Mitch Matthews 10. I love it. And I'll have those linked in the show notes as well. And I can attest to the response in the DMs because that's how we linked up and just operating the same circles, even mentioning, Hey, Chris Bastion, you're like, I know Chris and just having those circles and good people hang with good people. So I, I appreciate that Mitch. Last question before we kind of wrap things up, and this is usually the heaviest one, which is why I save it for the end. Um, what is something that has happened to you or something that you've seen that shapes the way you view the world as a man? Uh, when my mom passed away for sure. So um, my life was easy. Um, relatively easy up until I was 25 years old. And uh, when I was 25, it was post-college. When I was on the Kansas City Chiefs, one week after being on the team, my mom got diagnosed with terminal cancer. Perspective shifted like that. I went to Coach Andy Reid's office just in tears. And he's like, you got to, I'm sending you home. Go be with mom as much as you can. And I, you know, came back to the team. Um, but things changed then. Um, I got engaged to my wife at that time. And my mom was really sick. Um, the Chiefs had cut me, the Browns had cut me. And I had a wedding in about a month. And uh, I got married. Now let me back up actually. Uh, we, we had the month planned, sorry, the wedding planned about a month away. And the doctor told my mom, you had about a month to live. And so we're like, we move the, let's just get married next weekend. Like, who cares? We'll have a small wedding just so my mom could be there. And uh, fast forward a few weeks, my mom had passed away. We had her funeral the same weekend as our wedding. So we buried my mom in the ground. People came into town wearing the same outfits they wore to my wedding because it was like a few days apart. Two weeks later, the, the Minnesota Vikings cut me. Um, I got picked up by the, the, the uh, Miami Dolphins like a couple of days after. You can just imagine like my life at that point going from like, I was always winning to like, what, what is going on? Like, this is absurd. And that was a huge perspective shifter for me. I was very angry. I was very ticked off. I was, oh my, I just, I was envious of people who still had their mom. I just was out of whack, man. And that was the old me. And so uh, what I've, what I've realized lately is, uh, Letting go of that anger, letting go of that um, pissed offness, that self-centeredness, and actually giving more to people uh, has actually helped me heal and cope and uh, live a completely different life. So 
what has shaped me as a man is is letting go of thinking that competition and anger looking cooler than the ne person next to me those things are a crusher of a man hmm. what what you think when people think of americans they think that's what a man is win compete look cooler than the next guy and you're a man that is so not what it is brother it, it's it's actually serving collaborating, uplifting. Last night, my wife and I had 10 couples in our basement for a breathwork session to collaborate with other men and women and to build community. That's what I think masculinity is nowadays, is serving, uplifting, loving, caring, and getting your job done as a husband, father, business person with love, not with you lose, I win. That's not what a man is. That's not what a leader is in 2023. I firmly believe that. That's what I'm. That, that's how I'm living for the next however long I'm on this earth. So, because of hard times that came to me, because of how I reacted initially with anger from it, it actually prolonged, actually delayed the growth. And uh, where I've been this last year has been amazing, and I lead differently. And I think that's what a man is. And everyone's going to learn that. I believe, Ted. Everyone's going to learn that that's what a man is and that's what we should be doing. And over the next 10 years, I think you're going to start to see some of our best men. I really do. Yeah. It's not, it's less about I'm better than you. I'm more macho. I'm more cool. It's about who's serving the most and you can't really lose that game for who's given the most, right? <laughs> There's no winner and loser there. So that's where I, that's where I'm at. That's what I stand by. And I, I, uh, I know you're that guy. I can just tell you got you got this exuding spirit and uh, energy about you that I, I love talking to you, man. Let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I'm sorry, sorry about all that, but I, I appreciate you sharing that. And and honestly, gratitude to your mom for giving us the gift of you in this world and everything that you do, because so many people are going to be better because of your presence and the growth that you've gone through and the work that you've put in. So, thank you for sharing that, brother. Appreciate really you, brother. Do appreciate it, man. Man. Mitch Matthews, this has been fantastic. And yeah, we might have to do this again at some point, but I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, that's our time and I'm going to yeah. have to wrap it up, but I, I want to recap some of the, the gems that you left along the way. Cause I know a lot of people listening, um, they're, they're probably cleaning or working out while they're listening to the podcast. Keep doing that set. Don't worry. I wrote down the notes for you guys and, and <laughs> how you started was, you know, most ask, most athletes struggle, but it's not just athletes. Anyone who holds onto an identity struggles for that shift because they've put their identity in whatever it is they're doing or whatever gift that they've had. Right. And it's hard because they don't have the confidence in self. They have confidence in that thing. But confidence in self will allow you to transition into the next chapter of life, letting go of that ego so you don't have to hold on to those traits that was probably good in one arena but won't serve you in another arena. As as Mitch mm -hmm. mentioned, going from football to being a father, husband, taking those good lessons and pushing them forward. Competition isn't bad, but it, it keeps your head down. You can't see the field. You can't see the whole scope of things. It's very micro focus, but collaboration gives you that macro focus and exude love to be a great leader instead of having competition where you're exuding more hate. Positive self-talk can help. Negative self-talk can crush. And then going through hard things, taking the arrows as the leader so you can pour into others. And that hard teaches you lessons along the way, tapping into the gut with those decisions because the gut and the head can work together, but let the gut make the decisions and let the logic make sure it is successful. And it takes a lot to be successful, which is why you need to have that, that passion that runs deep. 
Of course, when you have soul, baby, <laughs> there's no way you can lose. Mitch, this has been fantastic, brother. Thank you so much. My dog. Yes, sir. To the audience, thank you for making it to the end. You know what I'm going to ask? Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Share this with somebody you know can get Indeed. value from it. It's the best compliment you can give us. And leave us a rating to let us know how we can be better, how we're doing, because it's we, we love hearing from you, and it's the only way that we grow. Yeah, but please follow. Keep following Ted, man. This guy's got a great energy. I love what he's about, and uh, I can tell this guy's going to change the world, man. So please do what he says. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If that's, that's not enough endorsement, I don't know what it is. I promise I didn't pay him, but we, we are going to catch you guys next time. As we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Yeah. Let's grow. Yeah.